Hi everyone, you're listening to Personalities at Carry, your very own WP Carry MBA podcast. Today we are in conversation with Greg Davis. This is episode number 70 and Greg is talking to us all about his experience at the MBA where he's concentrating in supply chain management. Over the summer of 2018, he interned at Intel in Chandler. Greg also became a dad while he was in the WP Carry MBA. To get to know him better, let's have a conversation with him. Here he is, Greg Davis. Hello everyone and welcome to Personalities at Carry. We are on episode number 70 and today we have with us Greg Winkelmann. Nope. Say that again. You say it then. <laughs> Greg Davis. Oh, why is that? I changed my last name when I got married. Oh, you did. Nah, I didn't it know that. Used to be Greg Winkelmann. Okay. So I didn't pronounce it wrong. No, you said it, you wrong. said it great. Okay. Yeah. It's just the wrong name. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to name the episode differently now. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Uh, our first question always is tell us about yourself, where you come from, what you've done so far and what brought you to the WP Carry MBA. Okay? Uh, well, I'm uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Nice boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the rare rarities apparently. Um Yeah, I mean up through college really my permanent address has always been Arizona though I've spent some some time in other countries uh, by myself which is really cool but my permanent address has really been always Arizona which might change here in the future um but with undergrad I ended up uh, moving up to Prescott Arizona which is about an hour and a half north of Phoenix 2 hours north of Tempe closer to Flagstaff um studied aerospace engineering up there a little bit of electrical engineering. Uh was thinking that I wanted to be an astronaut when I was 17, mm-hmm. 18 years old. I really tried to get into that, you know, the the education that would help me get there. It turns out that requires a a considerable amount of time <laughs> uh and attention and and sacrifice, I think to say the least, and kind of reevaluating my life priorities as I got older. Realized that was not something that I actually wanted to do but I still was very attracted to the space industry and continued that um studying in rocket propulsion and orbital mechanics and those kinds of fields and I was really hopeful that I would get a job in that area when I graduated but yeah was it 2010 there was a federal funding cut and there just weren't a lot of jobs for new grads in those fields so I transitioned excuse me transition to the aviation side of my degree and got a job with Honeywell Aerospace and um was a systems engineer for them for almost 6 years as like within a month or two mm-hmm. and that that was okay i mean it was a pretty standard engineering job i think it was really cool to work on fancy business jets all the mm-hmm. time when they bring them into the hangar and let us check them out but uh at the end of the day it was kind of a stagnant career path and over time i felt like you know i wasn't nothing really was going to be changing about my environment which just didn't sit well very well mm-hmm. with me and and about that same time i'd learned about asu's forward focus scholarship and been reading that an mba was a great way to give yourself some career flexibility which was a big thing that i was looking for mm-hmm. and and so kind of the, all the arrows were pointing towards this program and i applied actually applied um for the first year of the program but it was really really late i'd only you know just learned about it and had like 
two months to get an application in for mm-hmm. the, the last round. Didn't make it into that round, but I did uh, sit on my hands a little bit and wait until they confirmed the program would be going for a second year and uh, applied, I think, the first day applications opened to, to come here. Okay. And uh, picked picked supply chain, and now I'm one quarter away from graduation. All right. So, Did you just choose the one concentration you're sticking by it? Uh, originally, I had started with business analytics as a dual, but um, we didn't really do a lot, I don't think, in the first year. To keep the keep my answer shorter, my wife and I got pregnant with our first child yep. um, in October, the first semester, and realizing that I was going to be a dad in my summer between first and second year and the following year, I wanted to give myself more time to be with my budding family, and so I dropped the business analytics concentration and it just stuck with supply chain. Okay. So. And uh, so of all the classes you've taken so far, mm-hmm. is there anything that's your favorite? Yeah. Um, I think in part it's the teacher, mm-hmm. but I really, really enjoy decision modeling with mm-hmm. uh, Professor Byers. Right. Being an engineer by trade, uh, I have a, an affinity for math and problem solving and that kind of thing. And uh, being taught a skill set to apply kind of optimization and using a new tool that could help me solve problems in a more kind of grandiose scheme was really attractive and fun. And I felt like I did, you know, well and understood the concepts. And when you have successful learning and abilities and, you know, it all kind of lined up. And I liked, I liked uh, his teaching methods, allowing us to kind of bang our head against the wall for a little <laughs> bit and, and then walk through the thought process behind right. it. So, Okay. And you kind of have this unique experience of having a kid while you're at school. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you want to tell us about, like uh, how difficult it is? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot of other parents, but uh, I can think of two other classmates that have had children also um, in the program. And I think it was really, really unique for me because it, it, literally happened right in between the first and the second year mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that it didn't happen in the first year with the, <laughs> the course load that we have <laughs> but it, it certainly you know changed my perspectives on on priorities like I, I talked about um, with school and uh, additional learnings but from a time management side of things when uh, you have a kid that's waking up all the time you don't get the normal sleep patterns you're used to and um, it just, you know, we had to, we had to sit, my wife and I had to sit down and figure out like, all right, this is going to be my school schedule. Nixon's going to require, you know, a certain amount of care and you have your work schedule. Let's just flesh this out. So it, it took a lot of forethought and planning, I think, to, to really prepare for the second year of school, um, being a dad. <laughs> um, what about uh, when you joined school, you had probably certain expectations out of school. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that has gone beyond your expectations? Anything that's happening in school, career services, clubs, curriculum, whatever? Yeah, um, I can think of a, f- a few things, really. I think the first was the intensity of the course load. Uh, I was not expecting uh, year one to be as... I mean, we'd have been told, like, look, you probably won't have time to work. You probably won't have time to do a lot of stuff outside. But I think experiencing going to class almost eight to five and then 
having a few hours of homework pretty much every night of the week was it was a struggle I think um, getting used to that workload um, having worked for nearly six years I never had anything to take home and now all of a sudden it was like I was you know had a quote-unquote job but then also had stuff to do when I got home too and so the time requirement was very real um, but from a more positive side of things um, I think one of my absolute favorites was the diversity of our class and meeting so many different people from so many different backgrounds and the huge international presence that we have and the kind of community that's grown over the, the months that we've been here has been really cool. Mm. And, and you know, I've, I've always liked some of my, I mentioned earlier, the uh, opportunities to live outside of Arizona. Um, and I've always been fascinated by other cultures and other ways of life and seeing how other people do stuff, mm. you know. We all eat, sleep, poop, fight, yell, but we all do it a different way. And it's cool to see those interactions. Um, and then you you said career services. I don't feel like I have had the same support in my undergrads that I've gotten from career services here. And um, one of the big things is that I feel like they reach out to us a lot more than I was used to in my undergrad. Mm. And in second year, I've had a, a part-time job with Intel. And while it's not a guarantee, I've had a pretty high confidence that that's where I'll end up permanently after we graduate. But even uh, even so, Career Services has been reaching out to me to make sure that, you know, hey, do you want to interview with these other people? They've shown interest. You know, they line up and there's just been continual support irrespective of my kind of investment of time into Career Services. And I appreciate that. Whether I, you know, use it fully or not, I like that the resource is there and I like that the resource is very active. So, so you did talk about your internship at Intel. Yeah. What was the process uh, to get that internship last year? What was the strategy going in <laughs> and what really happened? So uh, it was a really bang-bang process. I think uh, highly unconventional relative to what most of our classmates went through. Um you know, you have info sessions, you have career fairs, you have all these things that the school hosts for us to meet companies and meet the representatives of those companies. And Intel, Intel came to ASU early, I remember, I think the fall semester. And at that point, I hadn't really figured out what I wanted to do necessarily. And I didn't do a whole lot of recruiting stuff early in the process. I was trying to just get my head wrapped around the schoolwork mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but what ended up happening is I think it was March or April towards the end of the first year and at the time Caitlin Ostrander, now Caitlin Deshaun um, she had been contacted by a hiring director at Intel who was looking for uh, an intern for the summer and and had tried, I guess, the traditional avenues of looking for candidates and hadn't had a lot of luck. So he reverted to going through people that had applied to similar internship positions and pulling their resumes and then going through what Intel kind of already had. He found her, contacted her, but um, asked if she was interested in interviewing. She had already accepted with Poly One at this time. 
And he asked if, you know, do you know anybody else that might be interested? So she uh, kind of passed off my, or his information to me. I take a look at the roles and responsibilities, so to speak. Told her that I definitely would be interested. And then she forwarded my information to him, mm. which was on like a Tuesday, I think. We'd had a phone call less than an hour of sending him my resume. He oh. called me and we had a quick phone interview. And within a couple of days, we'd scheduled a on-site, a face-to-face interview. Mm. And, I mean, the whole process took, I think, less than a week. We did the, the on-site interview. It was unique in that he told me what we'd be talking about and what he wanted me to talk about in the interview. Mm. And that I needed to go research kind of what I'd be working on in the internship to show that I can learn and communicate, you know, tech technological ideas uh, that they'd be working with. So it was cool to like, this is what we'll be talking about. Go prepare as best mm. you can. Uh, and I never had an internship interview tell me what was yeah. going to be in the interview. <laughs> but it, needless to say, it went really well. Um, I was called or emailed by HR, you know, that week. And so the whole process was less than two weeks. So it was mm. really, really fast. But um, the internship was in marketing so different from my <laughs> supply chain so uh, but it, it was nice having made a transition from engineering to business uh, you know really wasn't married to supply chain as being my only option and so getting some exposure to a different type of role um, was nice to do and I've since kind of extended that internship part-time uh, through this year okay so can you elaborate a little bit about what your role exactly was and what you worked on, your project? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the I guess the technical term was product marketing, mm-hmm. specifically for network-attached storage, or more commonly referred to as NAS. Um, essentially, um, Intel has a lot of different divisions working with a lot of different customers, and there's, there's much larger players in the field, and there's a lot smaller kind of uh, customer, so to speak. And so the group that I'm on is a relatively small group uh, of five, but has a support, you know, sales account teams, et cetera, that make up a bigger pool. But the main group is only about five people. Mm-hmm. And our goal essentially was to sell to these smaller customers, smaller clients that kind of serve small and medium businesses and not necessarily like a Google or a Facebook type mm. enterprise. And our goal was to see if we could grow the business over the, the last year and see what kind of other channels that we weren't advertising to or didn't necessarily know about NAS solutions to their storage needs um, and seeing if we could you know, grow that reach. And... It's, it's since transitioned, I think that was that was the whole goal in the summer. Um, one of my big tasks was to see if we could work with any government agencies, uh, specifically the U.S. Small Business Administration, who has an office in Chandler. But it turns out the uh, government has a lot of steps and processes. <laughs> Bureaucracy. And, yeah. yeah. So there wasn't really anything we could do at a local level. And so that that avenue kind of disappeared because you have to go, you know, federally to, to, and then downstream it. But it transitioned to more, um, working with other groups within Intel and seeing where they're going and what technology 
issues they might be having with storage and seeing if NAS can help with those challenges they're having. So an example would be the medical industry, um, x-ray machines, MRIs, CT scanners. Mm -hmm. They're constantly getting better. The images they're making are getting bigger and, and higher resolution and the, the amount of data that these machines is generating is just growing and growing and growing. Well, doctors have to look at these images and it, it can take up a lot of time sorting through all of this information for them. So what if we could combine a storage device with some of the artificial intelligence that Intel's working on and make something that's able to kind of pre-process mm. these, these images. And um, we're kind of exploring opportunities like that where, where we can leverage the usefulness of a storage device but integrate some of the other technologies that Intel is producing to create kind of a combo solution for, for clients. All right. So that was good. Uh, I'm happy that you kind of have this opportunity with Intel yeah. and you might be joining there full time as well. So Fingers crossed. <laughs> on that. Yeah. Let's, let's just get into a little bit of your personal life, sure. the likes and dislikes. So can you tell me what you do when you have some free times? What are your hobbies? Oh, yeah. I mean, family is maybe a de facto hobby obviously <laughs> i'm spending time with them when i can um as far as personal hobbies though one of my most time consuming is is probably um rpgs i suppose mm -hmm. or tabletop games um i really like dungeons and dragons and kind of the sci-fi type games uh gloomhaven is one that i've been playing recently with a few of our classmates um, Warhammer 40k is another one that I really like uh, in part because of the artistic kind of outlet that it can provide it's not just a game it's uh, involves or can involve painting and uh, kind of some creativity and arts and craft aspect to it mm. um, those are probably my biggest like you know personal passions um, and I like that I've been able to do it with a few classmates um, namely uh, Rob Ritter and Savannah uh, Hoover, and we've been playing Gloomhaven fairly regularly. <laughs> but it's been nice to have that that kind of interaction regularly with with people. I think we uh, we get caught up a lot in what's going on in the job shirts and the schoolwork and stuff. It's nice to have that kind of like relaxing, you know, turn off the escape. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Uh, talking about escapes, do you watch sure. movies and uh, do you have a favorite movie to tell us? Oh, uh, I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> Lena and I might be one of like the few people left that still get actual DVDs from mm. Netflix. You do, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Keeping that place going. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. we've got the DVDs, we've got the streaming service, we have Hulu, we have Prime Video. Um, you know, I think we're we're some of the customers that cable companies really hate. <laughs> but uh, a favorite, that's really hard to say. I think overall, there's been a lot of really good ones recently. I am very, very excited that in April, the final season of Game of Thrones is coming mm. back to television. Um, I remember when season one pilot came and, uh, you know, it was that was like right after I graduated from undergrad. <laughs> so it's weird to think, you know, here I am. At that time when I first watched the show, I had no idea that I'd be here. Um, 
getting an MBA, but I'm excited for the finale of that show. Um, one, one that I saw recently, and I would highly recommend anyone else interested in kind of space travel and that kind of aspect of humanity's future is a documentary on Netflix called Mars. And it's a, well, documentary slash fiction. They do a really cool job of taking interviews with, with people passionate about getting to Mars from 2016 and compilating all of these interviews and thoughts and theories on how we would, you know, get to Mars, how we would survive on Mars, what are the steps we would need to take to, to really create a colony there. And then, and then take that documentary and those concepts and created a sci-fi show using that. And so they, you know, half the show is talking about real life stuff going on now with people that we know. Elon Musk is interviewed in the show as one example, but then have a really well done sci-fi movie embedded into it about what that might be like. Mm. And so I really liked kind of the, the callback to reality and then, you know, check out this cool mm. movie about Mars. So, um, I highly recommend, you know, anyone, anyone uh, interested about Mars and space travel, just check that out. So when you mentioned a little bit about uh, how you wanted to be an astronaut and stuff, yeah. Yeah. reminded me of uh, this channel I follow, Smarter mm-hmm. Every Day, on YouTube, mm-hmm. where he he's a mechanical engineer, but he's working for NASA, okay. and he talks about all the physics principles or how the ISS is staying in space and all that. Yeah. So that's a cool thing for you to check out if you haven't already. Definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. If you uh, my my short-term memories, yeah, so I, bad. I, if you send it to me, <laughs> yeah. that'd be great. <laughs> All right, and what about music? Do you have a favorite artist or a genre of music? Yeah, I, I like a lot of different types, but the one that I find myself listening to most often is probably 90s kind of alternative and, and grunge rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the few suckers that pays for Sirius XM radio. <laughs> <laughs> so all the streaming services you're going to yeah, yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, right? Um, one of the, though I say, one of the reasons I really like Sirius XM is because I can use it with my my Amazon Echo devices mm. and my car. So, but there's a station called Lithium, which is pretty much dedicated to '90s and early 2000s kind of alternative and mm. and uh, grunge. And that station is pretty much always on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there's other stuff I like. Mm. Every once in a while, I listen to hip hop or rap or um, classical music on occasion. Mm. They also have a Pearl Jam station. They're they always do. doing Pearl Jam they live shows. I can't do one band that much at a time. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting. They were talking about Pearl Jam as one of the only bands to record like every live performance they've done. Yeah. And so it is cool that you can almost go to that. You can go to that radio station and listen to their concerts mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, that was smart by Pearl Jam to, yeah. to do that. I think Metallica is also doing that nowadays, right. and they have a website where they put out MP3s of uh, their last shows. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, what about a book that you love? Maybe something a favorite author? Maybe it's been. A, I'll be honest. It's been a while since I've sat down and really read a book. I've tried a few times to start a song of Fire and Ice and and get the book version of Game of Thrones, but. Um, one of the authors when I was younger that I read a few of his books is Michael Crichton. Mm. Another sci-fi, there's a bit of a theme here, <laughs> um, writer. And 
a book of his that really, really stood out to me is called Timeline. And it's about uh, archaeologists that, that find um, modern kind of human, human remains in uh, a dig site that had been sealed off. And so it created this, like, how did, how did new stuff get into this sealed environment from, like, I think it was the 13 or 1400s or something. Mm. Well, um, they ended up getting picked up by a, a technology corporation that had been working on time travel. Mm. And it's this big story about how this group, um, or one of the lead scientists, had gotten stuck back in time. And it was around the time of this archaeological dig and so the team has to go back in time and try and rescue him and Mm. it's a i mean it's a really cool blend of like medieval fantasy and sci-fi so i i really like that book if you could uh choose a person from history you'd like to sit and have a chat with get to know them better who would that be and why that's a good question um that's tough i think i think Nicholas Tesla would be a really mm-hmm. cool guy to talk to. Um, I mean, really any of those like old world scientists, Isaac Newton, um, there's a few other like space related guys like Kepler. Um, and just really like how did they do or come up with this stuff that we're still using today? It's still applicable today, but you did it, you know, an abacus was like new technology. <laughs> like, uh, it's just fascinating to me. These guys were so, so intelligent. I would just love to pick their brains on like their thought process and how they would, you know, search for these answers to the universe. Say, so. It's just difficult. Like people have stopped. No, I'm just not saying it's, but stop wondering about things, right? So, yeah. so you have to wonder what's out there and then build the tech to actually be able to observe it. Right, right. And that's all you... Yeah, pretty fascinating. What about pet peeves? Do you have any? Do you want to share? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of people that chew loudly. (laughs) I don't think I'm alone there. I think it's a really bizarre one. Like, I always find myself, like, I catch myself irritated by it. And I'm just like, why does this bother me so much? (laughs) Um, um, Another one would be, like, written grammar mistakes. Obviously, Mm. you can't hear them because the words are all homonyms but but if you know they're there you're your two two mm. and stuff like that i'll usually pick up on it yeah. so all right that uh kind of wanted to know a little bit about what your plans are after graduation you told me that you might be going to intel yeah but in general what kind of a location or a role that you're looking for um well so i just interviewed last week with intel for a rotational program if everything goes well I think it's a really good opportunity. I would definitely say yes to if they made the offer. Um, but I think the highest likelihood of where I'd end up is is probably Portland mm-hmm. at their Hillsboro location uh, for at least those two years of the duration of the program. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of sales jobs back in Arizona, so there's a chance that I could come back to the Valley of the Sun, but... Yeah, I think once I finally really break that seal on not living in Arizona, there might be, you know, what? let's keep going. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Try the East Coast. But um, with the snow they're getting now, maybe not the East Coast. 
Um, this but, particular role are you saying yeah. is that a marketing role or is it a supply chain? Role? So so it's a sales and marketing rotational program, okay. and and it would be really learning about the sales and marketing avenues in Intel, which are vast. Hmm. Um, I mean, it would it would I could take another hour talking about all the different opportunities, <laughs> but what it breaks down to is is customer interaction. Uh, a lot of the people that go through this program end up in customer-facing roles and mm. represent one client of Intel, like Dell or HP, and and try and work with them to help them develop the, uh, you know, if it's a computer, the new laptop of the, the future, so to speak. Right. So, Okay. And where do you see yourself maybe 10 years from now? Um, in my career, yeah. physically. <laughs> in your kind of a role or... Uh, business unit you want to be working at? Uh, let's see. I'll be f- like just in my forties. I would like to be in a in a. I suppose Intel calls it a director role, but essentially, you know, managing a team, potentially managing um, a business unit, so to speak, would be really cool. Um, I, I would really like to be working on something that's kind of pushing the boundary of technology or a new technology. Um, Intel right now is, is really weighing heavily on AI, 5G, autonomous driving, uh, and, and virtual reality. So, you know, who knows if that's going to be the same four technologies in mm-hmm. 10 years. But if I'm doing the equivalent of those things now, in 10 years, I'd be pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I want to work on something new. I'm always fascinated by by the uh, the opportunities that we haven't yet uncovered. Mm-hmm. So, And now that you're almost done with your MBA, would you like to give some advice to people who are getting into the program? Um, I suppose it, it depends on their kind of personality and mindset. I think, I think the best way to approach this program is, is don't, Treat it like traditional school. If you're just here to get the grade, I think you're missing out on a lot. Come here to learn. Um, you know, it, the, the grade is what it is, but come here with the mindset of, of trying to learn and trying to develop your skill sets. And I think you'll be far more successful in the future than if you just focus on getting an A. Mm. Yeah, so. that's pretty simple advice. <laughs> Easy to follow, probably. Also, um, do you have anything that's coming up for you in the next quarter or something that you might want other people to join or something you're passionate about that you want people to uh, explore? Oh, uh, not that I can think of right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I okay. guess that's the simple answer. <laughs> All right. And when you're done, how would you like your peers to remember you? Oh, um, well, I guess simply in a positive light. Mm-hmm. I think I have a tendency to to kind of bring bring cheer in the rooms uh, so as someone that, you know, can can bring a positive attitude to a, a team environment but also has the ability to, you know, get work done, get work done well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the end of our episode. Okay. If uh, you want to give out your email address or places where you're most active on social media, where should people find you in order to get in touch with you? Well, uh, I'll get, this is a rare opportunity for me. Um, my email address, if you want to reach out, is, and this is only going to make the episode of the, or this, the title of the episode more confusing, <laughs> is still gwinkleman at gmail.com. 
or greg.davis at asu.edu. Um, the uh, social media, really Facebook, uh, under Greg Davis. And if you are a Warhammer enthusiast, I have an Instagram account mm-hmm. specifically dedicated towards the models that I paint and use and play with. Um, and it's named after the army, uh, but it's called Hive Fleet Bombus. Okay. And it's uh, B-O-M-B-U-S is the is the name of the account. So if you like painting tiny things, you know, check me out there. <laughs> That's pretty unique. Nobody has like promoted something that they do like that. <laughs> Good. Good. Anyway, thank you so much everyone for listening and thanks to Greg for coming in today. Thank you for uh, having it's, me. It's Friday and uh, yeah, it, it's raining outside so <laughs> I'm happy that he made the time for yeah. us. Yeah. Greg always brings cheer into the room even when things look bleak to the other team members. His smile is contagious and I'm sure he'll be a great team member at Intel. All the best to you, Greg. To our listeners, thank you so much once again for listening to us. We are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and all the other podcast platforms. I shall see you in the next one. Goodbye and peace.